for real stories on how global business gets done. This is Supply Chain Unfiltered, presented by the Institute for Supply Management. It has been a crazy day. On the, on the tales of a crazy week, I'm sure you're experiencing the same, but you know what? That's just kind of how it rolls in supply chain management, right? Hi, I'm Melanie Stern for ISM and another episode of Supply Chain Unfiltered. And today we're going to mix things up a little bit, do it a little different. We have a panel of four, four wonderful people who are working in the profession at varied levels and um, varied amounts of time within the profession. And that's um, part of what we're going to cover. Um, the topic for today is how to manage expectations of emerging or, or young um, professionals. And that there's, it matters to varying degrees, okay? And we're going to look at it based on a level of associates, whether that's yourself or other associates you work with, as well as management. And to help us do that, um, let's introduce the panel. Dylan Tagle, GSK, uh, Senior Director, R&D, Procurement Clinical Services. Uh, you're coming to us from Pennsylvania, right? Yep, that's right. Awesome. Thanks for being here. Jesse Lewis, IBM Director, Services and General Procurement, Finance and Operations in North Carolina. That's correct. I'm awesome. glad to be here. Yeah, thank you. Shane, Shane McClure, GE Aerospace, Lead Sourcing Specialist, Gearboxes, uh, Cincinnati. That's right. Go Bengals. I knew. I'm like, are we going to talk football today? Uh, yeah. Nice, <laughs> nice win. To. Nice win last night. <laughs> uh, and Lori Sisk, assistant professor of teaching at the Mike Illich School of Business, Wayne State University, Michigan. Hey. Thanks Hi. for asking us to be here. Okay. So we've all got our smiles on. So let, let's get into it. Um, so related to, this is how expectations kind of come about for all of us. So um, when you're involved in the workforce, it brings people together from all over, right? Just like, like all of us today on the panel, we're from all over the country. Um, our audience is across the globe. And with that, we all bring different experiences, different skill sets, and different mindsets. And then you take that collectively and that brings about uh, differing expectations. So, if you kind of rein all that in together, this is how it. This is how we're going to kind of broach the subject at first. So, clear communications. Um, I think you would all agree it, it's hard to come by. But then, when you add clear communications across generations, that's even harder. So. I'm going to go to Shane first on this. Um, do you think that the type of communication used, the, the method you choose to use, does it, does it matter? Should it matter? And why? Yeah, absolutely it matters. And I think more importantly than anything, the flexibility to be able to use multiple methods of communication is what I would stress. You know, being an early career professional, like, I have a method that I probably prefer, but I know that there's leaders that prefer other ways. And I think as long as everyone in an environment is flexible and able to work for what's best with them, um, I think that's where you get the uh, the best outcomes. And uh, what about you, Jesse? You looking at this differently? 
Uh, well, I, I would agree. I would just add a different twist to it, right? It's not just generational. It's also diversity, right? Where you're located, if there's different languages and things of that nature that need to be taken in consideration, as well as the topic that you're talking about, right? If it's something quick and easy, you know, maybe that's just requires a text or a Slack or whatever, you know, uh, technology that you use. But if it's something more complicated, a, you know, a WebEx or Zoom or some face-to-face -face medium may be better. So I think it just, it varies on um, you know, preference as well as topic, as well as other um, factors that go into that for consideration. So I think it's all of the above. And Laura, you work, you work with students. So um, how does this play a role in, in your communication with them and, and working with them? Right, so we, as far as with them, so I teach remotely and in person. And, you know, I, I kid them a lot because they're very, to texting as, as Shane will probably very much admit to right <laughs> texting and emailing yeah, right. and I always say you know you have to actually meet people sometimes right <laughs> so I'm very much um, an in-person type of person I grew up my in my career that way I'm a little bit older and so I am a true believer and sometimes you need that person in person communications but I mean it's great we can communicate with the world I've been using you know, remote communication for over 15 years, but um, it's also really important to build those relationships too from an in-person perspective. And so, I don't know, I'd like to hear maybe Dylan, if you have some comments about that, as far as that, you know, building those relationships maybe is, is you know, it, it's good, you know, via remote, but it's also probably better in person. Don't, do you agree or disagree? Yeah, I think I sit on the fence. Um... I find myself picking up the phone more and more now than I probably used to. And I think it's just, I've even gotten the feedback from people, you know, I, I get a chance, maybe I message them only over email or teams, and then maybe that goes on for years, right? And then we travel and I need someone and say, wow, you're like, you're really pleasant. You know, you're, you're a great person to sit down and talk to. And I go, well, what, what does that mean to say? very direct in your messages. So I, I've literally gotten to thing now where, have a new team or people I have to like right. preface it. I might skip some of the pleasantries on teams or an email but I swear it doesn't mean I'm angry um, and I want to throw something else out there on this on this subject um, not just the the vehicle of communication that you decide to use but do you find yourself at all switching the tone and manner of your communication based on where um, what the age or, um, I don't know, uh, career level, does that change? Do, do you think about it or, or it's not, doesn't come across your mind? I, I'll weigh in here. I would yeah. definitely say it does come across my mind, depending on if it's more senior, I'm probably more direct. And if it's someone of my team, um, to the point Dylan made a little while ago, you know, I do put the pleasantries in there because it's like, oh, Jesse must be upset or, you know, she wasn't, you know, she's, she's cold or she's this. So I do take the time there because, you know, they may not know me. Right. And, and it's like, wow, Jesse's generally very friendly. But in this case, you know, so for me, it does matter and it does vary depending on who the message is going to. And if it's 
you're talking to someone, I think they can get a sense for your genuineness, who you are. But when you're sending a message, it's like, wow, that's really cool. And don't make the mistake of putting it in caps, right? Because then, you know, you're really angry at that point, right? <laughs> that's true. That's true. All caps mean a lot, right? <laughs> so let, let's go to, let, let's take this subject of clear communication or how we aspire to achieve that. And look at it as one of the tenants in being able to work at an optimal level with others. So we know that communication is important, clear communication. But if you had to pick one other priority in achieving that optimal work situation, would it be innovation, human collaboration, or technology? I'm going to go with you first, Lori. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm a big collaborator. I love teams. I, you know, very much into that. I also am very, really focused on telling my students this on a regular basis. I'm like, they're hiring you for you to come up with new ideas, to be innovative, but please don't call anybody's baby ugly. So what I mean by that is this process, this system, this technology has worked for years. So don't call it ugly because somebody next to you probably created it and has been using it for 10 or 15 years. So just add to it. Try to make it web-based or something, right, if it's if it's a legacy system. So I think all of it is really important. I hate to prioritize one over the other, but I think technology innovation and human collaboration is all very, very important. Dylan, what are you what are you finding? What do you what do you see? I mean, at the end of the day, everything we're doing is human collaboration. So I think I'll focus on what's probably going to add the most beyond that is it's definitely the technology. I mean, the ability now to have you know, shared live documents where we're all collaborating on the same thing at the same time. We have the virtual so many different forms of virtual meetings, not even like what we're doing right now. And then obviously the big difference, which everyone's talking about, is going to be you know AI, right? Generative AI. I know Microsoft already has an early access program out for something called Copilot, where it's helping summarize PowerPoint presentations and create emails. So for me, it's going to try to not get, I think it's going to be a challenge for all of us, right? It's not just let that younger generation be the ones who are in tune with the technology, but all of us trying to stay up to speed because it's, I think that's going to be the biggest productivity change in our industry in decades. And, and how are you leaning on this, Shane? What do you think? Yeah, I think I, you know, I'm probably going on a minority position here, being the only Gen Z here that's going to say, I would vouch for human collaboration. I'm very much so. I want to be in person. I want to be meeting face to face, whether it's with my peers or with leaders. But I think that'll only get you so far if collectively as a team, you're not at the intersection of today's technology and innovation. Um, and I think that once you hit that sweet spot of the three, that's when you always see a trajectory within your organization. Uh, Jesse, this same question, have you seen, uh, would you say your answer may have shifted if you look at, if this question was posed to you five years ago versus today, would you still answer the same way? Mm, I think 
I'd say it's a great question. I would say my answer probably has changed because I would definitely lead more toward the technology. You know, clear communication is great, but the technology curve is so great. And, you know, you can't fall asleep on this, right? You, you, you blink and you're already behind. And if you're not learning, you're falling behind. So uh, for me personally, it has changed. And I do can't stress enough the need for all of us to stay abreast of the latest technologies, not just abreast of it, but using it day to day, right? I love learning from my children and learning the latest things that we have going on within our company. Um, but I think technology is the key. So now I'm gonna I'm going to kind of pull not not from here, but the next answer I want to come from your gut. No, so take a second, dive deep <laughs> down in there. Uh, so. Uh, so sometimes, sometimes we all have stories we can reflect on early in our career. Sometimes there's situations that startle us um, or become memorable that you know happened a week ago. It doesn't matter how long you've been working in your career. We have some defining moments that happen on the job. And so, do, can you recall a time that you felt misunderstood? Um, or had these expectations that you set on yourself and somehow they fell short. And in those moments, did you share your thoughts and your feelings about it with a coworker or did you decide to kind of keep that to yourself, muffle it, you know, keep it quiet? And no matter which way you decided, reflecting back on it now, do you think it was a good idea or would you change the way you approached it? Oh, we're all thinking, huh? <laughs> Dylan, go yeah, for it. Dylan, go for it. I can jump in. Yeah. yeah. I I would say it's I say yes, of course. Like it's happened where you want something to work out great and and you just, it doesn't happen. I think it's the importance of having a mentor that's not in your immediate area or business unit or reporting mm. line because ultimately one, they, they do. They need to be more senior. They have to have had been there before, gone through it, and they're seeing you, and they know where you want to be, and to be able to give that guidance. But most importantly, yeah, you have to be able to be candid. And realistically, I would definitely caution anyone listening to this on going to the person that sits next to you, that's in your team or your partner team, because too many times have I seen like that word get around, and it just you want to be able to be candid in that situation, have someone that you can go to for advice. And yeah, I've, I've definitely gone to peers before and that, let me just say, I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take a different view on that. Okay. I think it comes down to, so I have had experiences of that nature as well, right? Um, where particularly where I felt misunderstood um, and I did turn to one of my coworkers and I did share, you know, and my sharing is based on trust. So how well do you know the person and how well do you trust the person? I don't think that it necessarily has to be someone that's senior or outside the organization. I think it's really based on trust and your comfort level. And if you feel comfortable sharing the story, because sometimes I don't need advice. I just see somebody listen to me, right? You need to get it off your chest. And I do think um, releasing that stress or getting a, another um, perspective is beneficial. And I do think in those situations, you know, it's a learning moment, right? And perhaps me sharing with my coworker is a learning experience for both of us. So I would say it really falls on trust, how well you trust the person and whether you're telling personal information or not. I'm not saying going to tell everyone because you definitely don't want it to be broadcast necessarily, but it could be a learning moment um, equally for you and your coworker. 
And Shane, has anything that Dylan or Jesse just shared about this resonated with you or do you have a different take? Yeah, no, it's it's funny. I was sitting there saying, wow, Jesse, you completely just changed my mind. I was on the side of Dylan here and I'm ready to roll. Uh, and Jesse, I mean, that was great insight. You know, I think it definitely depends on the situation. I probably have had less of those encounters, but, you know, have definitely come across them in, in my early career experience. Um, I am the type of person who probably would opt to not share those with coworkers. I think more along the lines of Dylan said is just like, you never know who's competing with you or what kind of spin they're going to take on, you know, trying to come to them and share that. Um, and so I think as an early career professional, you know, maybe we're, I'm in more of a, a fight <laughs> to, to get to the top. So probably trying to be a little bit more conscious about who I do share that information with. Um, but I think Dylan offered great advice is, you know, find maybe a mentor or a leader that you can be candid with, because it is important to get um, those thoughts out there and get them out of your head and get them into somebody who can relate um, and help you move forward with that. Yeah, I would just to change just thinking, I think it probably depends on what the situation is too, right? I mean, a lot of us are in sourcing and procurement. So if it's a, a negotiation that went south, your peer is probably not going to be a bad person to bounce some ideas off of, but maybe if it's you know managing people or you miss the deliverable that you really need guidance now on next steps, I guess my question would be, are you comfortable with everyone in the organization knowing what happened, right? And if the answer is yes, then I think using your team is a great way to be able to bounce ideas around. But if the answer is no, probably, like Jesse said, you better really make sure you could trust who you talk to. Lori, what have you seen? Yeah, I would say who is in your circle of trust, because it could be a coworker, it could be a mentor. I know I'm a mentor to many of my alumni. Um, and so it it really depends who's in that circle of trust. And, you know, a lot of the a lot of the folks that graduate, um, they build their network of trust amongst themselves. And I think, I think that's so strong. That's why I'm so big into relationships and networking and um, just getting to know people at, while you're like in this environment, whatever environment you're in. And then also getting to know people outside of your company too, through professional organizations. I'll do a plug here for ISM. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I've been a member of ISM forever, <laughs> 40 years. But then again, I started when I was wow. two. So, um, <laughs> so I think there's that circle of trust and who you can trust, whether it's inside, outside the organization, what have you, is build those relationships relationships so that you do have that circle of trust is extremely important. I've had so many shortfalls and so many successes and all around in my long career. And I just really think that that um, that, that circle of trust is extremely important. So build those relationships and see who you can trust. Very well said. Uh, lots of great insights. Thank you. So um, if you could provide us with one, one additional takeaway and you can decide who, what audience you'd like to speak to. So provide a snippet of advice, um, let's say to a peer or leadership, um, someone mid-career or someone thinking about getting into supply management profession. What would that, what would that bit of advice be and why, why are you stating this? How about uh, Shane? Yeah. I was going to volunteer anyways. It's perfect. Um, <laughs> I'm so psychic I, that way. 
<laughs> I um I vol I volunteer recruiting efforts for GE. Um, I'm obviously connected with the Institute of Supply Management and the Richter Scholarship Network. So, you know, my advice I'm going to tailor it to those emerging professionals or those that are earlier in their career. Um, and I think we talked about a lot of things today, right? We talked about technology and innovation and how they are tools that help you do your job. I think if I had one bit of advice to give to those early career professionals, it would be to really lean in on your network and more of the, the human collaboration side of things. Um, time and time again at GE, there's things that you will never learn from doing a process or doing a project that you'll learn from the people that you work with. Um, and so I think that's, you know, something early in my career that I've really clung to and try to take with me everywhere that I go. Um, and that would be my, my piece of advice to uh, early career professionals is to take that network and in invest into that network and stay connected to, you know, don't just lean on it when you're trying to find your next role, but, but stay connected throughout <laughs> each and every job and rotation um, and stay plugged in. And Luckily, technology has made it easy for us to do so with things such as LinkedIn and, and Zoom meetings to always stay connected. Right. Just yeah. like, just it's like a great we're doing Because ultimately, like inevitably, someone has helped all of us get to where we are today. So I could say personally, I'm always so slow to ask for help. But when someone else reaches out earlier in their career and they're trying to grow and they ask for advice or, or even a recommendation, I think all of us are probably so quick to jump in and, and offer assistance. So yeah, great piece of advice. Yeah. How about you, Jesse? I would just echo on, you know, I do, I couldn't stress enough the importance for mentors and sponsors right throughout your career, right? Um, you know, we all help, we can help, each one can teach one. Um, but I, I would give this bit of advice to the, you know, um, early professionals, your career is your career to manage, right? You can't wait for someone to come and ask you what you want to do. That would be great. And I'm sure there's organizations that do that, um, but it's not across the board, right? And you're going to hit roadblocks, right? So, you know, if you can't go over it, go around it, go under it, but it is yours to manage. And I think, you know, our, our early professional hires would, you know, benefit from knowing they need to drive their career and never forget that. That's great advice, Jesse. All right, Lori, you have the floor. Yeah, I think I'd, I'd sum it up in one word is listen. Um, mm -hmm. When people are giving advice, when you're asking for assistance, when you're trusting somebody, just listen to what they have to say. There's so many times that I try to try to help and, you know, and they're not listening. <laughs> like, okay, what, why am I here? Why am I spending my time? So I think if you listen and you, you know, really just, and that means learning your job, right? On the job, that means listening to others, your your supervisors, your coworkers, and and just absorbing as much as you can, um, going home and doing research if if you don't know something that you learned about today. I have so many examples of if people would just listen and then, you know, work towards whatever they need to do to be able to accomplish and exceed expectations, whether that's the innovation side, the learning, the technology side, you know, building relationships with certain people, whatever that may be. I really just, I'll again, sum it up in one word, just listen. That's great advice. Yeah. yeah. Well, this, this has been great. Um, thank you all so much, uh, Dylan, Lori, Shane. And Jesse, you've a uh, great representation of uh, what we all deal with day to day in, in our career. 
and how we can better work together towards uh, the same goals and making the profession even better. Um, thank you all for being part of the ISM community, and I'm making this a great episode. And to check out all of our episodes, feel free to do so. Just check out the ismworld.org website. You'll find a lot of great content there as well. And uh, if you're not a member, you know what? Consider becoming a member. Um, a lot of great benefits to that. Looking forward to uh, joining you again on another episode of Supply Chain Unfiltered. <laughs>